Hello and welcome everyone. So for this podcast, we'll be doing some questions for the psychiatry clerkship. Today, I'll be reading some multiple choice questions. I'll read the choices, we'll give the answer, and I'll give reasons as to why the answer is correct and why the other answers are incorrect. It's going to be fun, it's going to be educational, it's going to be entertaining. So without further ado, let's go. Okay, so our first question is a really easy one. It's a definition. Uh, So it goes, a fixed force thought that is inconsistent with one's background and exposure is, and the choice is an impulse, hallucination, phobia, illusion, and delusion. And in any textbook, in any internet page, if you type in that sentence, you're going to get a delusion. Yes, it's a fixed force belief, and it's not consistent with your culture or your background. And that's a delusion. The other choices, a hallucination, you know, uh, that's it doesn't fit phobia, that's a fair illusion. So the difference between hallucinations and illusions is that uh, in illusions, you, you mistake an object for another, another thing. So in your right mind you know that there was an object there. So let's say like a charging cable and you mistook it for a snake. And in your right mind, you knew that. But in a hallucination, you are just seeing a snake there and there's no there's no trigger. There's no object to represent that snake. Right? So our answer there is a delusion. All right, question number two. The following are symptoms of schizophrenia, except... Now, these questions, you know, require the elimination of the correct answers before you get... Before you get to the wrong answer, which would be the correct answer that you choose, if you know what I'm saying. All right, so visual hallucinations. Well, that's obviously a correct choice, because hallucinations are one of the hallmarks of schizophrenia, as as are um, delusions, but bizarre delusions right there's a difference between non-bizarre and bizarre so uh, a bizarre delusion is something that's it's impossible so if someone tells you that uh, that Donald Trump is coming and is poisoning his water supply in an attempt to kill him you know that's that's bizarre man but a non-bizarre delusion could be uh, your his neighbor is poisoning his water supply. Now that's that's non-bizarre. That's that could be true. It's possible, right? So, so one of the one choices here is non-bizarre delusions, and that's actually um, part of a delusional disorder. That's, so this is actually the correct answer here, a non-bizarre delusions. We don't see that in schizophrenia. We, we see bizarre delusions more often in schizophrenia. But the other choices, uh, thought withdrawal, that's in schizophrenia. Concrete thinking, that's where you take everything literally, like, uh, like Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you, you can diagnose it with concrete thinking. Um, and intellectual impairment, obviously, schizophrenic patients have major, major impairment in cognitive functioning. All right.
So the answer there, um, a symptom that is not in the realm of schizophrenia is non-bizarre delusion. The following distinguishes between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2 disorder. The occurrence of major depressive episodes. This occurs in both bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. Although in bipolar 2 it's, uh, it's the major criteria, it's, it's in both of them. Elevation of mood. Obviously, that's a criteria for mania or hypomania. Uh, mania is seen in bipolar 1, hypomania is seen in bipolar 2. So that's also correct. The presence of impaired functioning. Yes, in both of them, you will have degrees of impaired functioning. However, you will have a, a greater impairment of functioning in bipolar 1. So that's a difference there. But in terms of just impaired functioning, yes, it's in both of them. The use of mood stabilizers, yes, that's that's the preferred, uh, that's one of the preferred medications there to to help patients, and the need for hospitalization, so that's your difference there, and this is due to uh, mania in bipolar one and hypomania in bipolar two, so because of the mania, a patient who is by in who is bipolar one could. Uh, could be a danger to himself, danger to others, and will have major impairment of functioning, which would almost always require hospitalization. As for bipolar 2, they can get by. They can get by. Yes, impairment of functioning is present, but they, they don't need hospitalization. So the answer there to distinguish between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2, they need for hospitalization. Okay. Extrapyramidal side effects are most likely to occur with which one of the following drugs? And they give us sertraline, benzotropine, haloperidol, clozapine, and risperidone. So when we hear extrapyramidal side effects, we instantly think typical antipsychotics. And our only choice for typical antipsychotic here is the haloperidol. And that's our answer. Uh, for atypical antipsychotics, we, we usually... We go to the agranulocytosis risk, um, and that's usually seen in clozapine, but we also have risperidone as a choice here. The fact that they give us two atypical antipsychotics means that those aren't the answers. They wouldn't give you, you know, two of the same class of drugs for a question like this. And the sertraline, that's, uh, that's totally off the charts, that's antidepressants. So our answer here is the haloperidol, which is the typical antipsychotic. Aphasia, apraxia, and agnosia, should have been agnosia, it sounds better, are most likely to occur in, and wow, this is, this is just as easy as the first question. Uh, in any textbook, you would see, if you look up dementia, these are the first three symptoms that you see. It's cardinal. It's a definition of cardinal. Aphasia, apraxia, and agnosia. Dementia. Lab investigations which assist in the diagnosis of depression would include, and the first answer, serum cortisol levels. And that's very correct. In depressed patients, if you do a serum cortisol test and compare to normal values, you would see that it's markedly increased. So in depression, you have increased cortisol levels. 
the other answers were estrogen, melatonin, growth hormone. Uh, the standout answer here would be the cortisol levels. Our next question is pretty straightforward as well. The cage questionnaire, that's C-A-G-E, it's, wow. So they've put the correct answer again as A. It's a screening tool for alcohol abuse. Um, so it's a mnemonic. It's very popular. Um, it guides the questions that we ask the patient. So the C, we would usually ask something along the lines of, um, have you ever felt that you should cut down on your drinking? So if they answer, well, yes, I know I've, I've, I've drunk a lot, I've drunk a lot, I've tried to cut down on my drinking, I've tried, I've tried. So that's, that's basically a, a positive question there. The E. Have you become annoyed by criticisms of your drinking? And they ask, Well, my wife, my wife just gave me so much pressure. She said, Stop drinking, you had to stop drinking. Every day she would tell me, Stop drinking. That's, that's, that's more than positive. The third question, Have you ever felt guilty about drinking? A positive answer would be, Yes, yes. I know, I know I should stop, I know I should stop. And I know I do bad things, I spend a lot of money. I know I should stop, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. That's, that's positive for guilt. And have you ever had a morning eye-opening? This is the E. This is basically, um, you know, the first thing that you do when you get up in the morning is to take a drink. So you know, to settle your nose. And if they answer, yes, yes, every morning before I even brush my teeth, I go in the in the, uh, the cabinet and I pull out a bottle of, of brandy and I take a drink just to get my morning started, just to get rid of the shaking. That's, that's positive. So if they answer positively on two or more of these questions, it's, uh, it's a sign for alcoholism. Okay. So question number eight, features that distinguish vascular dementia from dementia of the Alzheimer's type include all of the following except. So this is another elimination question. So let's see what distinguishes them. A stepwise deterioration in intellectual functioning. Yes, this does differentiate it because uh, remember we're dealing with infarcts or strokes here, which is something that occurs suddenly. So with the first infarct, you have, you know, this level of intellectual functioning. And that level would remain until the patient gets another infarct. So it goes stepwise. At every infarct, it, uh, it becomes decreased suddenly. But with Alzheimer's, it's more gradual. So you don't remain at a certain intellectual, at a certain functioning for an extended period of time. It gradually declines. An abrupt onset, yes, as with uh, most infarcts or strokes, it's, it's very abrupt. It just happens suddenly, without warning. Focal neurological signs and symptoms, well, when you hear stroke, you think this, that's, you know, impairments of the nerve, the spinal cord, so it will um, affect a specific region of the body, such as, you know, the, the arm or the leg, right? So that's, that's vascular right there. Um, a history of uncontrolled hypertension, and this is one of the risk factors for stroke and infarct. So 
that's also correct. And history of alcohol dependence. I don't know what this is doing. There's a whole separate thing for uh, alcohol and dementia. So we'll have to go with E here. So you ask the patient the meaning of the saying, people who live in glass houses should not throw stones. And the patient responds, the stones will break the walls. Now this response is an example of, so we have impaired judgment, loose associations, impaired concentration, impaired abstraction, and lack of insight. So this one is fairly straightforward. It, the answer is the impaired abstraction. And this, this, means, this literally means that you take everything literally, like drugs from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, lack of insight, that means that the patient denies that they have a mental illness. They do not believe that they have an illness. Um, loose associations, that if you had asked them this question, and they were loose, they would not give an answer remotely close to the one that you will be looking for. Um, impaired concentration and judgment, these questions are not appropriate for those, for testing uh, those. If you were testing impaired judgment, you would ask something along the lines of, uh, if you saw smoke coming out of a building, what would you do? And they were, if they had proper judgment, they would say they would uh, alert the fire department or something of the sort. Right, so our answer there would be the impaired abstraction. Alright, so this brings us to our final question for this podcast. All of the following drugs are useful in the treatment of mania, except, and we have sodium valparate, haloperidol, buspirone, lithium carbonate, and risperidone. So, when you want to treat mania, we have a variety of options, actually. So, we have uh, mood stabilizers and our lithium would fit this. We have anticonvulsants, so that includes the valparate, we have carbamazepine as well, and then we obviously have the antipsychotics and typical and atypical. So we know we have the haloperidol and the risperidone. But what we don't include is busperone, and this, is it busperone or is it busperone? It probably sounds like busperone, isn't it? Yeah. Alright, we'll go with busperone. That's, uh, that's anti- anxiety right so we use that for generalized anxiety disorder so we won't use that for mania nice nice 